Welcome to the Disney at Work podcast, bringing magical ideas to improve your world from the happiest place on earth. Your host is J. Jeff Kober, author, speaker, and consultant to organizations around the globe that look to bring best of Disney ideas to their workplace. Welcome to the Disney at Work podcast. Today, Jeff Kober and I are going to discuss anticipation, specifically how Walt Disney World builds anticipation in different ways. So uh, before we get started and, and jump in on that discussion, I will bring in uh, the owner and operator of DisneyAtWork.com, Jeff Kober. Hello, Jeff. Hey, good, good day. How are you doing? I, I am good. We are only, at the time of recording this, uh, we are only about 19 days away from the opening of Pandora World of Avatar at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Are you getting excited to get in there? You know what? I'm not only excited, but the, the feeling is palpable um, uh, in the community. The community is excited for the opening of this attraction. And it's really... You know, for a long time, people didn't know exactly what to make of it, what to think of it. Um, but ah, I tell you, it's exciting. It looks wonderful. We uh, uh, look forward to uh, showcasing it with you as it unfolds. We look forward to drawing a lot of stories and ideas and takeaways uh, to your own organization. But we thought we'd start today with just kind of sharing with you some of the ways that Disney is building that anticipation, building that interest in Pandora and getting people excited um, because it offers quite a bit. This is not just a new attraction coming to a park. It's an entire land. Most people know at this point that it's taken over Camp Mini Mickey, that the Festival of the Lion King show moved to Africa. There is a big space in this park. This is uh, considerable uh, size area, and uh, although I think I heard someone say it was f 14 acres, which was really interesting because I know the Star Wars land is supposed to be 20 or 20 plus acres, so I'm even more excited about that. We could talk about anticipation for Star Wars land, which is <laughs> also uh, out there in big ways. Uh, Especially as news has taken uh, hold of the idea that uh, there just may be a hotel attached to the Star Wars experience. And uh, my uh, rumor sources say that is actually true. And that is um, not just being uh, surveyed to see if there's interest. That is actually uh, green and go and uh, they are moving on it, which it doesn't surprise me because there's actually some uh, wonderful visuals out there already of what that looks like. Mm -hmm. But today we're going to focus on Pandora and that experience. And uh, there's a couple of things that, that Disney is doing to build the interest in Pandora. And I think it begins first with the attractions that it's offering. It's not offering just one. It's offering two attractions. They are strategically thought out. Uh, one is a thrill ride that people who love Soren, people who love Star Tours, people who love Tron, it's kind of that uh, center point of those three attractions where you are riding a Banshee 
and you are seeing um, the beauty of Pandora spread before you in a screen, that is uh, the big thrill ride. And then a second attraction really takes advantage of making sure that everybody has a chance to see Pandora and experience it in some kind of traction form. Because this one is a gentle uh, boat ride uh, that really doesn't have any uh, nemesis or dragon in it or, or uh, monster in it. It is, but it does have an amazing animatronic uh, shaman that, uh, that uh, kind of fills the air with music and sound. And of course, you're floating through this bioluminescent forest that uh, is going to be pretty spectacular using a lot of the same projection technology that uh, work very well with... Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean in Shanghai Disney. So that's the first of, uh, I think, the two. Th these are the anchors, I would say, that is really helping to build interest in Pandora. Is there one of those attractions that uh, excites you more than the other or excites your kids or family? David? Well, uh, our family, the, the, I'm the only one in my family that's actually seen Avatar. Uh, don't, don't tell anyone at Disney. Uh, but we, uh, my kids are excited, I think, about getting into the land. I'm excited to experience both of them just for the sake of what they offer in terms of new attractions. But I think in terms of building anticipation, it's been very clever how they've done it, that we haven't really seen a lot of footage from either of these rides uh, there's been bits and pieces here or there on some of the talk shows, but they've been very, uh, very intentional about what they have let let be seen on the View or on Good Morning America or something like that. You know, kind of like a as a Star Wars fan. Speaking of your your Star Wars connection, you know, just about two weeks ago we got the first teaser trailer for Episode Eight of Star Wars, and it was very short, and everybody had been waiting for it, but it made them want more to see when they're going to find more out. And that's kind of how I've started to feel about Avatar in the last three or four months, knowing that it's getting close, but then Disney is slowly letting more and more things out that they're making people forget about the criticisms that were leveled about how long it took. I don't really hear anybody talking about how long it took for them to develop it. All I hear is people saying that they've knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I, I completely concur with you. And I have talked to others who have not seen the film. They have particularly played out, and, and mind you, Disney's marketing machine is like no other. They know how to pace it and time it and get you to... Um, excited and to where you really want to book that vacation. Um, and what that's one of the key messages that they have been very clear about. That you don't have to see Avatar or even really like the movie to enjoy the attraction because it really takes place uh, a couple of um, generations, I believe, after the current film. So, so that is another way of helping people to kind of bridge and say, hey, it's it's going to be okay to go. Equal to, I think, the attractions is the immersive setting. Disney is in the details, and as I understand, this is like a, how was it put, uh, a 360-degree canvas where every part, and, and which probably explains why it's taken so long to build this thing, but everything is handcrafted into by uh, detail by detail. I remember Joe Rody talking about this and wanting 
people to feel like they would just stop and look around them without even boarding an attraction, that the, that the floating islands in and of themselves would be an attraction, that the details around that would be, would be cool enough. So that too is really serving to build interest in Pandora. Likewise, Joe has, and others uh, have talked about its link to Disney Animal Kingdom and um, has spoken a great deal about how it builds upon the Animal Kingdom premise. In fact, I, uh, I was reading something of a uh, tweet by Joe earlier that explained a particular little magnetic creature that is found in the queue for Flight of Passage and how that creature had accidentally come into the planet uh, similar to how armadillos ended up arriving in Florida centuries ago because armadillos aren't native to Florida and how the creature was ruining the, the, the natural habitat of the planet because uh, those coming into the planet had, had not taken the time to burn fuel and, and burn off these little creatures off the back. They were like barnacles kind of hanging on to the rocket ships. This kind of detail in the story and the analogy to things that happen in our own real world to help us better appreciate how these kinds of things can impact. Uh, they're, they're really making a great effort in trying to help us see that this isn't just uh, a play on a big IP, but there are important conservation messages. Uh, I think another place where Disney is building interest in Pandora is how it's um, playing on both uh, souvenirs and on food and beverage options. Has there been anything in those that have attracted your attention, David? Well, I, <clears throat> I think it's really interesting that uh, one of the things the fan community a lot of times loves to take pictures of is when new merchandise comes out. But what's interesting is that normally you don't really get a lot of shots of that until the place officially opens. But Disney themselves were sharing information, at least I believe it was from the official Disney Parks blog, of some of that merchandise. And then once they let media in about a week or so ago, uh, they were showing some of that merchandise as well. And there there seems to be a lot of it, right? You talk about Disney's marketing machine as like no other. I think the same thing in terms of their merch. And you definitely see a concerted effort to provide original merchandise. Now, I'm sure that you're going to be able to buy some of the same old stock merchandise that you'd be able to buy elsewhere, but uh, you were the one that said that you uh, were fairly certain that there wouldn't be any uh, characters on the merchandise in Avatar. Is that what you said? Yeah, I, that apparently there's no Mickey Minnie kind of uh, uh, looking like, yeah, um, Navi creatures or anything like that. Well, and to be fair, that's what they said originally with uh, uh, um, Epcot, right? That there weren't going to yeah. be any any <laughs> Disney true. characters, and that ended up changing when people demanded them and said, "No, no, no, we want them." So, I mean, that could change as well. But for now, keeping with that with that story and with that design, uh, I think is admirable because it will make it feel it will make that immersive experience all the more powerful. Yeah, I haven't even seen how they um, they deal with the trash receptacles in that land. I assume they probably it's linked to the former uh, mining group, expedition group that was there, previous research group that was there. But uh, again, all those little details 
uh, work to to play up to to this. I think um, if I would say that there's one other thing that uh, Disney is doing to build interest in Pandora is they have really made an effort to say Disney's Animal Kingdom now will no longer be a part partial day park. That this is a full day and especially a nighttime experience. Um, speak to that, David. What are some of those nighttime offerings that uh, that have interested you? Well, I think you've been seeing a, a, a slow rollout of these other things. Uh, and I don't remember timeline necessarily what came first because sometimes they were doing soft opening of things. But just to list off the different possibilities, they started extending hours for the Animal Kingdom I would guess probably as long as a year ago, and I remember you know people discussing online and in forums, what are they doing? There's not a lot of stuff that that, that there is to do, and then you slowly started to see things popping up like uh, the the Harambe uh, dance celebration, or there's that big block party uh, over there. Absolutely, yes. They started doing the uh, projection show on the Tree of Life recently. They the nighttime magic. Yes, which is absolutely gorgeous. gorgeous. We were lucky enough yeah. to be there one night. Uh, last year when something had gone wrong with it starting and so instead of them waiting uh, and spacing out the different shows they basically ran them back to back to back to back and so we just got to stand there and see all of them and that is absolutely gorgeous Uh, and then you also have Rivers of Light that finally debuted just a couple months ago as being a nighttime option the nighttime uh, Kilimanjaro Safari being an option so it wasn't just a Let's add this one land, and all of a sudden, this is going to make it a a longer, uh, more fulfilling day of a park. It is things all around the park to keep people spread out and and move that that circulatory system around a little better in terms of dispersing people. And I think it's it's been fantastic because it hasn't been this blitz of everything at once. It's been a slow spattering of here's this, and then here's this, and then here's this. I think it's been it's been genius. Yeah. The Tiffin's uh, uh, dining experience. What a great place to enjoy an evening meal and then go back into Pandora itself, which is a nighttime spectacular because it is incorporating that bioluminescent look and feel and uh, it comes alive in its own way at night. So there's so much more. So Disney, you know, all of these things are being used to build anticipation. And to get people excited about Pandora today, uh, Disney Parks blog announced, which uh, was pretty common among um, bloggers and fans, but but the fact that uh, that uh, for those who are booking a resort stay, um, there are two extra hours at night um, that are being added to Disney's Animal Kingdom, where you're going to be able to have that just for those staying on property, extra magic hours. And uh, people, again, are excited about uh, taking advantage of that option as well. Well, and those extra hours are from, they're late. They're from 11 to 1 a.m., yeah. but they're they're every night. And it's, as far as I know, when that announcement first started making its way out, is all the way through the, the middle of July, I believe. So it's not just one night a week or so like normal extra magic hours are. It's every single night from 11 to 1, which, again, is smart, right? Let's make sure that those people 
get there and know they have that time, those resort guests, not only does it make them feel like they have an extra perk, but then it's another way to move some people through at another time of all the because of all the building up that they've done. You know, uh, again, going back to Disney marketing, they are they are incredible at this machine for getting people excited about new parks and new attractions and new features um, in the resorts. Uh, I think back uh, through my entire life and I can identify some very memorable ways Disney created enthusiasm for new attractions, new parks over the years. Of course, Disneyland didn't open without the Disneyland show where Walt got up every week and introduce the segment tied to Frontierland with Davy Crockett, Fantasyland with the cartoons, Tomorrowland with the, uh, the Man in Space series, and Adventureland with the True Life Adventures, plus his own uh, telling of the progress on construction and how it was going. That was real excitement. Now, that was before my time, even. I wasn't born until 1961, but I remember the wonderful world of Disney on NBC, and they did the same thing. There was excitement. If you see, and, and maybe we'll post these on our um, Disney at Work site, the links to the uh, opening of the Pirates of the Caribbean, or my absolute favorite, the opening of the Haunted Mansion, which featured um, the uh, the Osmond brothers and Kurt Russell and and some others. It was a where where Donnie gets lost and everybody's looking for him and that gives them an excuse to go through every corner of the park and then they get to finally go in the Haunted Mansion at the end. Oh, it was great. You were sucked into the show. You could not help but want to go to Disneyland after you'd seen this. It was just one of the ways that Disney created enthusiasm. And then after that, there was a little bit of that same thing when Walt Disney World opened, but the one thing that really uh, caught my attention, and I think we can also post this link or maybe post a video, is you would go to a double feature, and I want to say it was Snowball Disney Snowball Express. It may have been something else. It was a double feature with some true life adventure, like the African Desert or something of that nature. Who cared? Uh, it, really, those true life films were a little on the long side. But in between, at the movie theaters, they offered a 30-minute film called A Dream Called Walt Disney World. And I tell you, they laid out what, what this new Magic Kingdom looked like, what it included, how the resorts, camping, the whole thing. And I tell you, as a kid, I was so excited for Walt Disney World watching this in my movie theater. Um, Disneyland, you've heard of some of the attractions, David. Um, the fa I think the most famous, there was Dumbo Circus, there was a Fantasia attraction, uh, there was, uh, and the most famous of them being Discovery Bay, uh, that was Tony Baxter's idea for where really Star Wars is kind of, kind of going into, um, there at Disneyland, but they had, a a storefront on the corner across from the Emporium in the 70s, which really was great retail space, but they had dedicated it to showing models and drawings and maps 
for upcoming attractions, most of which never did actually get built. But I tell you, if you weren't excited, this is very similar to the Blue Sky Cellar uh, that you find at Disney. You've been to that one when they opened up uh, Radiator Springs. Um, and uh, it it's so, it, it is such a great place. I'm, in fact, it surprises me that there is not a Blue Sky Cellar uh, yet open for all the stuff that's going into uh, to Star Wars. Um, when Epcot first opened, they installed some serious, big satellite dishes out on the lawn, kind of south of where Mouse Gears is, kind of west of where um, World of Motion is, which is now Test Track. And they provided a live feed. Now, most of us will think nowadays, eh, big deal, live feed from the parks. You know, we do face now. We do Facebook Live, um, and all we do is carry a a uh, a mobile device with us. But that was big stuff when Epcot opened, that NBC and others could actually do a live feed from Epcot. That was high tech. Um, that got people excited that they could actually see it in real time as it was happening. Uh, that was really cool. Um, I remember a di uh, display that went around from city to city out on the West Coast uh, through the Intermountain area and through California that did a display showing new attractions coming to Disneyland Walt Disney World. The one I remember most was Splash Mountain. And seeing the drawings and the models for that, absolutely exciting. When Disney had its 20th anniversary, they had, um, they sold, I think it was in, in conjunction with Good Housekeeping magazine, but they sold a magazine store on the shelves that, that the whole commercial was like, or the whole marketing campaign was 20 reasons to visit Walt Disney World in, um, on their 20th anniversary. And they were advertising such things as the, um, uh, gosh, a dinosaur. The dinosaur, what was that dinosaur Jim Henson show? Um, it was called, it was called Dinosaurs. It was called Dinosaurs. And they had a little, little thing that went through. They were advertising things such as, um, uh, the Muppets, which would just come into the studios. There's a whole bunch of little shows. Uh, the Surprise Parade that featured those big balloons, including Roger Rabbit. So that was, I remember, you know, you couldn't pass by uh, without seeing that, uh, that magazine for sale. I have still a copy of it. And then um, more recently, the unfolding of Fantasyland Forest, um, which they did a great job because it kind of ended up evolving in its construction. You recall... Tom Staggs, in the original design, showcased in the center of this some meet and greet experiences with Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. And he had seen this with his boys, and his boys said, there's nothing really here for, you know, for guys. And that's when that was taken out and, and the Seven Dwarfs Mine Ride, thank you, was put in. Um, but... So that whole thing kind of unfolded. First, it was Storybook Circus, and then they pulled out the main sections involving the Beauty and the Beast, Be Our Guest, 
restaurant, uh, Enchanted Tales with Belle and the Little Mermaid attraction. And then finally, they, the capstone was when the Seven Dwarfs Mine Ride uh, opened. Well, and I think one of the one of the neatest things about that that I will remember when that happened because that's around the time when we started visiting the parks much more frequently, uh, is they had that little peekaboo area where you could actually yes. look through you know clear plexiglass, and it was it was intended. It wasn't like people had found you know because nowadays you'll with as many websites as there are you'll see people with cameras and all that kind of stuff trying to look through a fence or 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 find. Uh, a very covert way to get pictures. But Disney here was saying, no, please come look. And it was, you know, the seven dwarfs were there and it was take a look and see what's inside so you could actually see the construction taking place. And that was that was kind of cool to see because I don't remember them ever having done that before. People were lined up to go look at that fence, you know, look through that fence. I, we got a picture. We'll have to post that as part of um, what we showcase in the... Uh, on the on the Disney at Work website that's uh, in tandem with this podcast, uh, but all of these have been memorable, unique ways Disney has continued to create enthusiasm to get people to come. You know, people are stand, sitting there thinking, "Oh gosh, I, I got to go visit." Uh, Disney World. You mentioned your favorite commercial. Talk about that. So a commercial that I'll, I'll be honest, I don't necessarily remember how old I would have been when it came out, but it's a commercial that, and, and we can put this uh, in the show notes as well at DisneyWork.com, but it's a commercial where this uh, little brother and sister are apparently getting ready to go to their trip to Walt Disney World, and uh, the they're up and they're talking late at night when it's supposed to be bedtime. And mother walks in and says, it's time to go to bed. And they lay down and the little boy in this cutest voice says, we're too excited to sleep. And of course, they start laughing and giggling. And uh, as far as I know, actually, the commercial is called Anticipation, which is why it's appropriate for the show. But you will still hear people on social media uh, nowadays talking about going to a Disney park and using the phrase, I'm too excited to sleep. There's a lot of folks in the fan community that count down their days to Disney World by sleeps. You will have people that say five more sleeps until we're there, six more sleeps. And so this sense of anticipation is something that's been in the DNA of the Disney parks, as you mentioned, from the days of of Walt Disney being alive uh, to even when Walt Disney World really started its expansion boom in the um, early 1980s. So, great examples, and we see this all playing out. All of these tools are being used with Pandora as it's being unfolded. Um, What are the messages for any organization that wants to showcase its products, its services? How do you get that kind of anticipation, that kind of excitement? Uh, First of all, it is building anticipation. Announcing the attraction ahead of time, and keeping people posted about its progress, updates, gives people an opportunity to kind of plan ahead and think, okay, when do they want to visit? When do we, when do we want to go see it? Uh, D23's announcement of a new Star Wars land and all its subsequent articles along the way, the movies coming out, all is building anticipation for that eventual thing. So creating that anticipation along the way is first thing. Second thing, repetition. You've got to have it coming from different sources that keep the topic front and center, that um, keeps you thinking, maybe we should go see this. Um, Major press events with the opening of new attractions is a key way they make this happen. 
uh, because you're all of a sudden hearing articles from all these different, you know, from Huntington Post to Variety to New York Times, LA Times, all these bloggers, all these keep that repetition keeps people interested in going. Building association, linking products and services to a famous individual or to a famous brand. So one of the great ones over the years has been the winner of the super, uh, the most valuable player or the quarterback of the Super Bowl saying, you just won the Super Bowl. What are you going to do next? I'm going to do, I'm going to Disney World campaign or I'm going to Disneyland. That's been a big uh, uh, way of getting people to associate. Hey, he's gone. Why are we gone? Uh, also introducing um, big IPs like Marvel and Star Wars. Well, hey, we love the movies. So this is why they they use the IPs. People love the movies. They already come in, bought in to something like Iron Man, to something like uh, Star Wars. Promises. Uh, the fact that you are essentially what we say at Disney Marketing, memories, creating memories that last a lifetime. It's a subtle but emotive approach. It's the moment where you say, and I see this, it's really, it's, it's heart tugging because sometimes I will see families in the park and you'll see that they may not have a lot of time to really bond and coalesce as a family. And a lot is riding on the time they're spending on this vacation. And so they're doing this because they want their family to have these positive memories and associations. The 21st century begins October 1st, 1982, was a different kind of promise, but one that said, hey, you want to see the future? Come to Epcot. And, and that was the big, that was the big banner. Um, prior to the opening of that park. Then you have exclusivity. So when you say, well, hey, you come do this and you pay this amount, or you pay this price, and so just like we mentioned with the resort offer right now, uh, you get exclusive, exclusive hours at Pandora from 11 to, to 1. Uh, joining up with Club 33, uh, which sounds like it's also coming to Walt Disney World soon. These are things that uh, Disney Vacation Club, I think, plays off of this. People feel like it's something exclusive, and so they sign up for it. So offering that exclusivity is another way to get people to buy in. Providing incentives, offering something extra if you sign up. So right now, I think we just recently went through an announcement where we've got um, uh, the free meal option if you sign up for a resort stay in the later part of summer early fall um, that's a big thing so providing that incentive with annual pass holders it's having things like free parking or free photo pass that's another example and then the final one i would say that disney uses and uses extensively is called bandwagoning this is when you send a message that hey everybody's coming are you going to be the one left out are you going to be the one missing out? And Disney does this all the time. I can show montages in, in scrapbooks, visuals, and so forth, where we see people of every size, age, experience, all coming to Disney. There used to be a song saying, 
Um, and yes, I am going to sing at this moment, David. All right, I'm ready. Let's go. You know, who, who goes to Disneyland? Everybody goes to Disneyland. Everybody goes to Disneyland year after year. You know, presidents and popes and kings and folks, they all come here, you know, and it's that kind of thing to make you feel like, well, everybody's coming. We got to go. These are all tools, tools that not only Disney uses, hey, they're tools that you could use for creating interest and action and getting people to buy in to your product and to your service and what you have to offer. And so don't just uh, look at Pandora for how beautiful it is and for how many exciting things are happening. Look at this new park attraction coming in for how it's getting people on board to coming to Walt Disney World. Because it's a great message. It's great. It's a great lesson in how you get people excited in the things you offer them. Well, it is fantastic uh, that you were able to provide us with a little performance there in this day and age of YouTube. Uh, <laughs> it is a good thing that YouTube was not around when I was a child because when you were mentioning the Osmonds, uh, my older sister and I used to quite often uh, do some lip syncing and performing to I'm a little bit country and you're a little bit rock and roll. And I am thankful that uh, that that song is is nowhere to be found because YouTube was not a thing when I was a child, and we are all thankful for that. That there's no documentation, and I must say, you know, going back to the uh, Donnie, uh, so as a kid, I looked a lot like Donnie Osmond, and literally, girls would chase me around the playground yelling, "Donnie Osmond, Donnie Osmond, show me your purple socks." It was these were. <laughs> These were low times in my life. Oh well, um, on on I, I I would say that the same thing happens to me and George Clooney, but we all know that would be a lie. <laughs> so uh, we want to thank you for joining us today uh, and this in this episode talking about how Disney uh, utilizes anticipation both with Pandora uh, and in the history of their parks and what that can mean for you and your business. As always, we encourage you to go to iTunes and subscribe to the Disney at Work podcast. If you have been listening, we would love to hear your feedback by leaving a review or a rating. Please. And then, as always, uh, visit DisneyAtWork.com. Click on the podcast tab in the upper right-hand corner where you can read the show notes from this episode and some of Jeff's other articles as well. We're going to have a lot of goodies. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of goodies on Disney at Work that kind of build off of what we talked about. and. We'll share some things, especially coming out from Avatar. In fact, uh, one thing that we want to announce is go over to Disney at Work. We are providing a all you need to know about Pandora in anticipation of your visit, what it's all about, what it's going to be like, what are the places to go, what are the things to do. We're going to look at all of it. It's going to be a one-stop shop to go to and find out everything about Pandora. So come subscribe to Disney at Work and uh, pick up this uh, complimentary tool that you can use in planning your next trip to Walt Disney World. We want to uh, educate you, get you excited, uh, build some anticipation for when you visit uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom and Pandora. Once again, thank you for joining us, and uh, hopefully we will see some of you out in Pandora, the world of Avatar. Have a good day. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you.